You're listening to episode 222, Entertainment and Entrepreneurship with Dane Reese. I think it's about trying to be present, is about saying, okay, be grateful for the opportunity that is in front of you, that you can go do that, take that on, and then move forward through that because you're just going to keep moving forward and your vision of what you want will eventually come to fruition as long as you keep present and you keep moving forward and you're clear about what you do. This is the Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Today is December 25th, 2020. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating. Hope you're having a good Friday. The year is almost over. Marianne Williamson taking it away for us. Not the politician, but the other one. Author. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Classic quote there by a classic source, you know, it's about really finding yourself this year. I think whoever you are, you're not getting out of this transformation train without some major change in your life. And 2020 has left no stone unturned. I think everybody's experienced that to some degree. And it's really, if we were to put an umbrella over it, it would be trying to find ourselves again, trying to find what is it truly, what do we want out of our lives? What is meaningful to us? What is authentic? You know, everything has changed so much. And I think in the space of that change, we have really been given an opportunity, a golden opportunity to analyze and to figure out, okay, you know, what is it that I want out of my life? I think everybody's waking up to their own self. And that's exciting. To me, that's really exciting. And today we're going to be talking about a little about that, especially if you're creative, especially if you have something you're super passionate about that you want to turn into a source of income. That's what we're going to be talking about today. My guest is Dane Reese. He's the creator and host of the podcast, You Booked It, which is the number one podcast where you can learn how to create a successful entertainment career. Guests share their journeys through the industry, and you can discover the fundamentals and niche golden nuggets that actually create a successful career in the industry and fill the gap between your training and the real world. In addition, Dane has been a professional entertainer for over 16 years, singing, dancing, and acting all around the world. He's been on TV, on radio, he's been an award-winning mascot, a corporate producer, and an actor's equity performer and stage manager. Today, I'm going to be asking Dane about what it takes to be successful in the entertainment industry, both as talent and as an entrepreneur, especially if you are creative or you're looking to do something with your talents, this is going to be a great conversation for you because I'm also going to ask him about his journey as an artist in the last 16 years, what he's learned, you know, what are some of the habits that has made him successful, what mistakes he's seen other people make. And, you know, if you're looking to, like I said, create this 
passion of yours, if you have a passion, if you're artistic, if you are wanting to do something outside of the norm and are looking for strategies on how to take that next step, you know, this is going to be a great episode for you. So if you know anybody that's also in the same boat, uh, that maybe is getting started as an entertainer or they're, they're going to a conservatory or any kind of entertainment uh, artistic avenue, you know, it's it's very important because there is an aspect to it that's that requires systems and business and planning and strategy if you want to be successful. We're going to be diving into that. If you want to get in touch with Dane, uh, you can go to the You Booked It, you booked it podcast.com. And he also is offering some coaching as well. So you can go to youbookeditpodcast.com slash coaching. Get some coaching, entertainment, industry coaching with Dane. He's very successful. He's helped a lot of people. So if this is you, then, you know, see this as a sign from the universe. Take a little action and see where it leads you. We're going to jump into this, guys, in just a little bit. Make sure if you're listening, you subscribe and share it with anybody that needs to hear this message today. I'm sure it's going to help someone out there. Every little bit helps. Thank you guys so much for being here. All right, let's do this. Entertainment and entrepreneurship with Dane Reese. Here we go. Very cool. Well, thank you for having me. Well, hey, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to have you. Yeah, I mean, you uh, you have quite the career, and some of it actually I can relate to, even though we're kind of in different aspects of the. We're still in the end entertainment industry. I mean, I, I had 16 years of being a professional dancer. Oh, you know, right on. I mean, hence the all this stuff. yeah, hence the podcast name. Yeah, hence the dance of life. But um, I liked your your story. I read about uh, how you were playing sports and how you got a concussion and basically you didn't know you'd have anything to do. And so one of your friends is like, Hey, you want to come and lift some girls? Up? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Huh? Yeah, that's exactly how it started. And away we went. <laughs> was it like uh, cabaret kind of stuff like theater arts or what was exactly that you got into that got you? Yeah, it was, it was like a full on, yeah, it was a full on production show. It was, it was, what was it? Okay. It was kind of modeled after the Grinch because it was a Christmas show. The Grinch, you know, uh, the one with oh, gotcha. uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah. So that was the idea of the, of the show. And then they had a lot of, ex- they added extra things and stuff like that. That just kind of like a basic through line of the entire show. And then that's what kicked it all off, you know, and I started off yeah. doing like, hip hop and break dancing because it was Missoula, Montana, wow. you know, a while ago. And that's where I grew up, right? So I can imagine some things have changed since then, but then for sure, you know, dancing and being a guy was not exactly something that really anyone yeah. did. I was the only person. There was one other guy at the studio, but he was he was like full on like amazing hip hop dancer and that was his thing. And he really didn't have yeah. much of an interest in technically training, but I did. So I was really, I was it. I was the only one around. So yeah, there wasn't much. Yeah. I, I can kind of really, I mean, I didn't have a concussion, but I, I didn't have anything to do when I went to college and I had an extra credit to fill. And I was like, ah, you know, I'll get an easy grade. I'll meet some girls. Like what, what was your reason? I mean, okay. You filled in for your friend and you know, that was that, but then what made you come back, especially being a guy without any dance experience? I mean, that's, it's usually hard for guys, you know, we're like, ah, you know, we don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. So what was, what, 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 what was it about it that made you come back? And like begin dancing and like keep doing it again and again and again. Yeah. 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 You know, I just, it. I started it and 
Yeah, like you said, it started off with me just have nothing, having nothing to do, right? And just feeling boredom. Mm. And then I realized, hey, this is really fun. I mean, I'd always been the guy like at school dances and things like that. Like I would be yeah. up and dancing and I enjoyed, I've always enjoyed dancing, right? But never, ever crossed my mind to do that professionally. I think there was a time when, what was it? The NSYNC television special when they like made their big debut in america and it was like this big disney special do you remember oh, yeah. seeing that um i think I remember yeah that was a while that. ago gosh long time ago and i think i remember watching that and i was like you know what that looks like fun but that's really that's as that's about as far as the of the as the thoughts really went into my head right i was like that looks like fun being an yeah. entertainer seems like fun not knowing what that means and what it takes to be yeah. one just just that initial thought is maybe the first seed but then that was you know many years later then i actually started dancing and then i found out hey this is a lot of fun and i just i just kind of kept going where the fun was because i enjoyed that and then i realized oh let's get more technically trained and then that was fun but that was also fulfilling my whole physicality need because up until that point in my life i'd always yeah. been doing some kind of physical thing some kind of sport or gymnastics mm. or whatever right so the dance was fulfilling that and then i got involved with drama and choir in high school because i figured you know hey let's let's do more of this theater stuff and the drama was the drama t uh, class was doing a musical that year the pajama game and i was like well i guess i should learn how to sing so that got me doing choir and then i started doing both of these things and realized i was kind of good at acting and really enjoyed it and then quite good at singing. I didn't realize I started getting accepted into these all-state, all-Northwest choirs. And I just kind of went with the momentum. And then that led me to meeting, you know, more wow. people in the arts community. And then I auditioned for a couple of different, you know, production, professional productions that were in the city. And that snowballed into me auditioning for the mascot of the University of Montana, which I ended up getting. And that gave me a full ride. And I got to be actually won the Capital One National Mascot of the Year Award for being the best collegiate mascot in the United States. Yeah. How do they so grade that? I saw that. That's really interesting. Yeah. How do you well, win that? Well, we had to create a or, big, I mean... yeah, we had to create a big uh, show reel or highlight reel, if you will, of our entire mm. season. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, in Montana, the, the biggest sport is football. And then basketball would be right behind it. And we would, those were the two primary sports that we would really make big appearances at. Um, but of course we went to everything, right? But we had to create a reel of us doing all these different things that in in the different shows or in the games, I should say. And it was really cool the way, whose name is Monty the Bear, and the way he comes out into the stadium in the football is that it's a huge, in that division, it's the one below of like the big schools, right? So we have one of the largest stadiums in that division. It's fully enclosed, well, not rooftop, but 360 degree of stadium seating everywhere. And I had a giant motorcycle with smoke and music and got like this whole crowd of like 22,000 people amped up every game. Wow. And so that made really good footage, right? And then crowd surfing, all those fun things, which by the way, is not comfortable in the slightest. And, <laughs> and it's actually very painful. And then we had to do a whole community service element. We did loads of outreach with different programs all around the state and the Northwest, really. And there's a combination of all of that stuff. And then you send it in and there's the vote came down half and half. It was 
half of the people, half your vote came from whoever the the board of voting mascot directors at Capital One were. Yeah. And then the Electoral College the, of Mascots. <laughs> exactly right. And then the, the other half was community based, uh, but they couldn't do it. hundred Years later, they went kind of to more of a hundred percent like popularity vote. But it kind of gets tricky when, you know, if you're from a smaller place versus you know, places that have millions and millions of people that are going to vote for you. So at that time, it was really good because you had those two halves of the vote that came in and we won it, which was cool. And then that moved wow. into me wanting to do more. Because when I went to university, I started doing uh, vocal performance because I was like, this voice thing is fun. You know, I'm enjoying all the art stuff and I was getting quite good at it. Right. Uh, I thought originally I was going to be a doctor. I thought I was going to go to pre-med and found out pretty quick you couldn't do both uh, at university. So I was like, you know what? Singing's more fun. Let's do that for now. And yeah. then I uh, ended up transferring into the Boston Conservatory for musical theater because I wanted to do more stuff. Because uh, I, I like the singing, but it was a classical program. And I love classical music. It's great. It's beautiful. But it wasn't checking all my boxes. You know, I wanted to do more yeah. performance, more showy stuff. So went the musical theater route mm. and... That led me to New York. That led me to going on a cruise ship. Uh, that was a brand new, amazing experience. Uh, I got to see the world, really, 40 you plus like countries. Did you going on a cruise ship? Uh, you know what? I've in never been on a cruise ship. Just, yeah, 40 wow. countries in one contract. I've never been on a cruise for pleasure. I've been on hundreds and hundreds of cruises, but I don't know what the experience wow. would be like as a as a guest. It's a little, I, it'd be different, yeah. you know? You've, kind of seen behind the curtain of how it all works. You know what I mean? So it's, I went it's a on a cool cruise world, once but... for like New Year's and it, and it was, it was rough, man. Like the dancing, I mean, it was, I was a dance teacher and I had never been on a cruise and I had like, yeah. a, I mean the, the group and organizer was super nice, but I just, man, I, I <laughs> the boat is not for me. <laughs> hey, fair enough, man. I, I don't know. That's the thing. That. Ships, they are, you are either good with them or you are not. There's not really like a good Yeah, either one or the other. It's not in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know what, what I love about ships for entertainers and things like that is I think they're a brilliant marketplace for, uh, for sure, for yeah. figuring out if you even want to do this as a career. It's such a good crash course yeah. because you can go there, do a contract for six months. They're usually about six, seven months long. And you're going to figure it out real quick if this career is good for you or not, because you're consistently yeah. performing. You get to do a lot of different styles. Is that something you want to do? A lot of people realize that they yeah. love singing and dancing, and then they go, ooh, the reality of it, that's not really for me. And that's totally cool, but it's best to figure that out in six months versus, you know, a decade and a half. How do you, I mean, this is a, an interesting point because, and we can... I'm glad like you're an artist. I'm an artist. We can kind of really both see into this. You know, one, one thing that I've uh, experienced myself, I, now I, I've had the, the, the luck or I should say the fortune, whatever you want to call it, the, the destiny of being in a particular industry, especially as a male uh, mm -hmm. where I could make money, you know, like with teaching and teaching private lessons and this kind of thing, going to competitions, <clears throat> getting hired to do shows. Like as a guy, it wasn't hard to make even six figures a year, you know, but, uh, that's definitely not the case for most people doing entertainment industry right off the bat. I mean, I had a friend who was in, uh, I remember back in our dance team in college and she, she had like a master's in dance. It was just a master's in dance. And she was like ending up teaching yoga, at like a women's gym, you know, yeah. after 
graduating. And it's just like, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad, you know, and I remember when I was on this cruise, the one I just mentioned to you, you know, they would have these performers, you know, obviously it was a European, like there's a lot of people on there and, you know, they would just do these little masquerade type of things every so often, you know, just to keep the guests entertained. And you could tell these yeah. performers, some of them were just like, ah, oh my God, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. It's like, how do you, <laughs> you know, on your way to the top, you are definitely, um, there's sort of, a, you have to pay your dues in a, in a respect, right? I mean, especially hmm. with, with the entertainment industry, you have to pay your dues. And I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you avoid getting stuck, you know, or how, or how do you overcome, let's say, even that you have a plan to sort of get to the point where you can, you can be paid well and you can be heard for you, what you want to be heard. Let's say that's the ideal point. But until then, how do you deal with the, the inevitable journey of, um, of being, you know, just having to do other stuff that you don't really want to do, you know, that's, yeah. in, cause that's exhausting to me, like to do the art part, but not something that you really enjoy. You're doing it because somebody else is, too, you know, or you're trying to go through the hoop just to make some money. And that to me is like exhausting because art is a lot of energy. And so, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I guess it's a yeah, two-part question. How do you correct. deal with that? And how do you, how do you make a plan to get out of that orbit and into, the orbit of, okay, I'm doing now, like I'm really living my passion and getting paid for it. You know, like how, how do people do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a complex question because everyone's journey and what they right. want out of life is, is very different. Right. I think where you need to yeah. start and it's, it's where I didn't, I did not start this way, but it's something that I've, that I always tell people, I, if I'm speaking or I'm coaching someone, this, I always say this, I said, start off with asking yourself, what is it you want out of your entertainment career? Now, of course, this can be applied to friggin' any industry, right? But specifically for entertainment, get yeah. clear on that. Because I spent a lot of years not really knowing, just knowing, oh, I kind of want to, I think I, New York's a good idea. I went to school and they kind of said, oh, this is, this is the path, you know, Broadway, and you know, that's what you got to mm. do. But the reality is you need to get clear on it. So what that means is, do you want to be a Broadway actor? Do you want to be in TV and film? Do you want to be a musician? Do you want to be in a band? Do you want to be an artist, a painter? What do you? What is it you want, right? Are you willing to pick up your life at a moment's notice and go wherever you need to go in the world to do a contract? Or do you want, you know, some location stability? Or are you, like, how are you, how's your risk factor with income? Are you someone that needs that W-2 job that's super consistent and regular? Or are you totally fine doing the freelance thing? Or do you want a combo of both? Because different markets in the world offer different combinations of those things better and worse than others, right? Um, what I ended up discovering for myself was that I wanted to just entertain. I didn't really care what that meant, you know? And I've even discovered through my career of doing some really great, you know, resume, you're like, happy to have this on my resume, peaks of my career. When I hit those moments, they come and you go, wow, I appreciate it. It's amazing. But then you're always like, all right, now let's, let's do more. Like, it's not like you arrive and then that's it. What's next? Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's always that. And that in, even with speaking with different people on my podcast, that's a very consistent thing. People have been on eight different Broadway shows and they're still going, okay, next. It's not like you get to Broadway and then that's it right? The journey continues. Mm. And I think that's a lot of it is you have to just first put yourself in the right market that you, that is going to be best for your needs and what you want out of your career. And you're already going to be ahead of the game because you're going to be somewhere that can really 
feed what it is that you want out of your career. And then from there, yeah, you're going to probably have to do a few things that aren't necessarily the best thing in the world, right? Because you need to pay the bills and that's totally cool. But perhaps it could be better than saying getting waiting jobs or something like that, that a lot of people do. For instance, when I was the last seven-ish years, I lived in Vegas, right? So there, in that market, for that entire time, not one time did I ever do any job that was not related to the entertainment industry, which is huge in this industry for anyone to say that yeah. as a professional entertainer. And that's yeah. really what I wanted out of this career. I didn't want to pretend I was an actor when I was really a full-time waiter or bartender. And if that's what you want and that's your means to an end, that's totally cool. But I wanted to just entertain whatever that meant. And sure, I had to do a handful of gigs that were just for the money, right? And that's fine. But mm -hmm. I think it's about trying to be present, is about saying, okay, be grateful for the opportunity that is in front of you, that you can go do that, take that on, and then move forward through that because you're just going to keep moving forward. And your vision of what you want will eventually come to fruition as long as you keep present and you keep moving forward and you're clear about what you do. Was there a point that you wanted to quit this path and just kind of totally reconsider what you're doing? <laughs> uh, and, if, and, if there, and if there was, what did you do about it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know I've ever had wanted to quit the this industry. I think this industry gives me so much fulfillment, you know, and I've, and I've done in the past before, I guess my professional entertainment career, I've done other jobs like regular nine to fives. And I discovered really early and I was lucky, I guess, in a way to find out that that's not really how my mind works. It's not, I'm, I'm a, I'm a good employee in the sense that I will do wonderful work for you when I'm doing it, but it's not what fulfills me. It's not something that I can, I've ever been able to like cope with long-term. I need to be creative. I need to be doing things, artistic things and creating my own projects. And that, uh, that is probably, maybe to answer your question would probably be the best thing is it's more that I've, it's not never that I wanted to quit the industry. It's what I wanted to do was transition out of having to rely on producers to cast me or relying on the, the show or the mm -hmm. gig to be my source of income. While that's a great thing to do, I still do that. It's fun. It's a feeling. I love being on stage and performing and all of that. I find more fulfillment in the transition of uh, creating my own things, and that's what supplies my income, not not relying on some other externalized thing that someone else has invested in and stuff like that. Taking my own projects and making them work for me is... So it's not really getting out of the industry, but it's transitioning on how I place myself in the industry. Yeah. I mean, that's really important because a lot of <coughs> artists and I would say creative people in general you know, sort of that right brain, left brain type of thing. And, you know, most people who are mm. super creative, uh, they, you know, they don't have the the financial, <laughs> let's say skills or analytical, they're just not something they're yeah. passionate about. And so I, but I think it's very important ultimately. I mean, if you really want to be successful, you need a system, you need yes. systems in your life to some, to some degree. And so how do you see the importance of entrepreneurship? And, and I guess, uh, business sense uh, that that a lot of artists aren't seeing like how do those two intersect and why is that important yeah i think you're 100 right uh 
a lot of entertainers tend to really shy away. The the money and the taxes, the business side of show business is something that many of us don't like to touch. It's something that it's either seems too complicated too complicated or it's too boring. One of the two things, right? Maybe both. Uh, but what I like about that side is that versus the artistic side is that the finances and everything is actually a lot easier than I think a lot of people think it is because it's all black and white, right? There's laws and rules. So you just need to learn them. And there's not a whole great gobs of them to learn, to have some financial literacy about you and going through this life. Uh, so I think you kind of have to bite the bullet and do it because at the end of the day, you are a business. I think a lot of entertainers also sell themselves short on thinking, oh, well, the producers, they've got the show, they're the business side of everything, and I'm just the talent that goes and you know shares the story and tells the story. And that, while in some regards mm -hmm. that's true, if that's your arrangement, but I think every single professional entertainer or performer for sure is also an entrepreneur. They all They just need to turn the switch in their head and go, I am an entrepreneur, look at me, I am the product, I am the service being sold, and just like an entrepreneur, just like a business, if you're selling a physical product or a service, you need to go find where your product and your service are most suited, where where the market wants it, right? That's what we're always doing when we're auditioning and we're going to different cities and finding work there. That's really what we're doing. We are entrepreneurs in of ourselves. A lot of us just don't turn that switch in our head and view ourselves that way. And I think if you can see yourself yeah. that way, you go, okay, now I can go, right, I'm an entrepreneur but I'm, and I'm a performer. They are one and the same. But that also, I think, by saying, oh, I'm an entrepreneur also helps you realize, hey, I need to do this financial stuff. I need to do the business side of this stuff as well and make that a serious part of what I do. Because if you don't have the business side right, it's almost impossible to have any kind of longevity in this career. You need the finances. You need the business side of it to make it all work together. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes you have seen in general with people you've been working with or uh, just artists that are looking to, you know, create that stability and that sense of uh, consistency? What are some common things that you see? Yeah, I think it's really systems. And like you said, it's it's the lack of them. Um, yeah. Simple things like tracking your mileage uh, when you're going to and from gigs or writing down all the different things that you do. Just have a, a Google Sheets with the date, the location, like where you're going. And even if you have to figure out the mileage later, at least have a record of when you did it and where you went. And then have a way to track expenses, right? Um, get a separate credit card where you can have segregated expenses that are only for when you're on freelance style jobs, right? If you have a lot of that kind of work. Also, because you know laws change and things like that, depending on the balance of your income and how you make your income, maybe you need to incorporate. Maybe you need to get an S-corp and file for that. It, it just depends on what your specific situation is, but you need to ask your, but you need to know to ask yourself these questions, right? And a lot of people just don't know they exist. So it's... Is an LLC better than an S-corp? It just depends on how, it's really or more about how much money you're making. I mean, because an S-Corp is mm. something you, an election that you take on your L, on your LLC, but it's really just about the income that you make. Uh, if you have more, mm. if you're making more income and you, it's a bit more regular, uh, then you, the S-Corp's definitely the way to go because you have more 
tax write-offs available to you in an S-corp. There's more tax advantage. So you can take that. Uh, but one of the catches, of course, with the S-corp is that you, you actually have to put yourself on payroll. So you have to really... Mm. That's one of the biggest caveats is that you have to put yourself on payroll with an S-corp. So depending on how much money you're making as... Uh, as an entertainer in that freelancey 1099 kind of work contract kind of work will help make that decision if that election is worth having or even if an LLC is worth having because if you're just doing a few thousand bucks yeah it's probably not really going to save you all the money that it costs to have uh to create it LLCs might not really be worth it after you you know after you have it mm -hmm. so you have to weigh out these things but you have to know of course then to what questions to ask yourself, where to get that information as well. So I think those are some of the biggest the biggest hiccups. And then also on the business side, I would say the marketing side of things is also a big hiccup for people because it's mm. it's becoming more and more the norm, right? That Instagram, for instance, is your running resume. You really have to think of it as that. Um, and yeah casting directors are asking for it in live auditions in submissions because they're checking it out because when it really boils down to it they want to leverage your audience they want free marketing that's what they want so yeah. you have to think of that again as the business side of things it's not just you know selfies and funny videos as wonderful as those are and as entertaining as those are you have to position yourself and your on social media on how am I going to provide value to the producers, to the people that are handing you those contracts? Um, and that's the way you need to view things. How do you think the entertainment industry has, this is kind of another kind of two-part question, but I find it interesting to see how it's evolved. So I guess in your perspective, how has it changed for you in the last 16 years of doing entertainment? And where do you see it going? Because I mean, you know, as far as everything going right now, we're living through a time where the way I see it, everything is becoming destabilized and, and not necessarily in a, in a bad way, but things are just getting restructured. There's a lot of old systems that are um, hmm. sort of all these old monopolies that are really getting fragmentized. I mean, even Hollywood. So if we're talking about entertainment, we're looking at kind of what's happening uh, you know, with Hollywood right now and with people in general and sort of everybody's boycotting everything. And you know, yeah. it's just uh, a lot of, a lot of things are changing. So without really necessarily getting into a political discussion about it, I mean, there are things that are getting destabilized and changing. And then you look at, for example, while that's happening, there's a sort of parallel arc of new technology, like TikTok, like, you know, people, mm. Instagram, whatever, going and, you know, making, monetizing their image without having to have a huge team of people behind them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, so what is that, you know, you have crowdfunding. I mean, now you can, let's say you have something and you put it on the internet and a hundred thousand people give you a dollar. Now suddenly you've made more money than, you know, you did in the last 10 years, you know? So it's like, it's just an interesting time, you know? So where does that, where does that future going with entertainment versus the old sort of guard of, okay, I'm going to go to the big, you know, Hollywood and kind of hope to make it in some movie. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's an interesting. Yeah, interesting it is. I mean, that's a, that's a so big, how, that's a how big does question, all that right? make sense to you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And on the crowdfunding, I've listened uh, yesterday, I listened to the interview, your most recent one that you published really good with the guy I had. Um, oh, with the Dan. Wool. Yeah. Really good. Really great episode. Yeah. Um, and, 
Yeah, yeah, that was so crazy. I mean, started. he got like, I think 500K in like three months or yeah, something yeah. crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah. Um, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So when I went into this industry really properly professional, I had done professional gigs, but really properly, like, this is my career. I'm, you know, I graduated from the conservatory, I, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail yeah. land in Manhattan. You know what I mean? Make <laughs> this happen for me. And look, the iPhone had more or less just come out. You know what I mean? And so Blackberries were a thing, but the whole idea of having the internet in your hand all the time was just kind of starting. It was still quite expensive to really onboard that into your life. Everyone had cell phones, but even then everything was like voicemail. Everything was a bit slower. They mm. sent an email. They didn't expect a reply in 30 seconds. It's, uh, it's a very different world. Everything does the pace of jobs has gone so fast. I, there was a time when I first landed in Las Vegas, I was like, all right, what am I going to do? I need something, just income. Because you just show up in this industry, into cities, and you just got to make it happen, right? You don't, it's not like you yeah. apply for something and then you have a job and someone pays for your moving and relocation costs. It's not the way it works, right? You show up and you make it happen. So first thing I booked uh, in Vegas was being a gondolier at the Venetian. And I worked there for like 10 days and I booked a show and I was wow. like, all right, bye. But uh, when I was doing that, I had, because I was just on call, I had to find a software that would then give me a separate uh, ping notification. I used a money, so it was like, ching, ching, was the sound on my phone. Every time I got an email from them, so I could know exact, so I could be the first person to grab a shift. Otherwise, they were gone. If you waited two minutes, they're gone. Wow. Right? So that is, I guess, quite indicative of how this industry works. Everything moves so fast now, right? And you just have to be, you know, aware of what information is coming at you into your phone. And, but at the same time, trying to maintain some kind of control over your life and not being a slave to the notification system, right? So yeah, that's challenging for sure. And then, yeah, with new technologies, totally disrupting. With COVID, it's completely digitizing this this industry more so, right? We're seeing that yeah. you said we got these old kind of monopolized systems. I think one of the the best ones or the worst rather is the audition process in New York City when actors equity and stuff like that. It there's so many people competing for these jobs, right? There's no reason. That's brutal, yeah. Yeah. There's no reason you need to have thousands of people lining up outside in whatever the weather might be to go sing some songs and then make them use a pianist even though the union say you need like these accompanists but the thing is it slows everything down right versus on the west coast most auditions aren't done with pianists they're done with a karaoke track for your first round right of course if you're going to get called back and they need to see more then we can start about talk about getting a pianist and things like that you can you can invest some more time in these people but at first it's much more time efficient to have people have their own song, plug in their phone, play it, done. You get a better performance because they already know what it's going to sound like. They're not trying to collaborate with people for the first time. Yeah. And it makes the whole process work faster. But things on the East Coast tend to be a bit slower, a bit more old school and archaic in a way. Uh, but that's all changing, right? Because we can't do all that stuff right now. And there are so many different platforms mm. that are coming out. And the just the openness to allowing people to audition through submissions exclusively to really get that first burst of of talent through the door so then you can narrow it down because at the end of the day it helps everybody out right everyone wins 
The actor doesn't have to spend all day in line waiting for one or two auditions. Instead, they can audition for 10 or 15 different things in one day. And then the casting directors aren't wasting so much time. They can filter through so many more submissions. It's a it's a win-win game and it costs them less money, all the things, right? So it's interesting to see how all this technology is happening. And I think it's going to be a, a massive shift uh, to the way we audition, the way jobs are booked. And then, you know, when you get to a certain level, of course, you're going to do the old school thing where you have people come in. That's that's not going to change because you still need to see people in person eventually, right? But yeah, it's that's totally fine. And I think we're going to go there. But I think it's just a much more digital platform or just digital platforms are really changing everything. And then I guess to touch on TikTok and social media and stuff like that, it's crazy. I interviewed a guy named uh, Michael Judson Berry. He, have you seen Schitt's Creek, the the TV show? Uh, I've seen like commercials yeah. for it, but I haven't actually yeah, yeah, watched yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they won like, they like swept the Emmys this, this year and wow. uh, really good. Cause they had a handful of seasons. It's just really funny show. It's great. Anyway, there's a really funny character named Moira Rose in there and she's a ridiculous character. She's so funny, but he does all these parodies of as her uh, and he's blown up on TikTok and on Instagram. He's gaining like 10,000 wow. followers on Instagram, you know, every handful of days. Like it's crazy. Right. So, wow, that's nuts. It's amazing that, these platforms are allowing this stuff. And what I think is really interesting, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, is social media is also kind of changing in the sense that it's less about, it's becoming less about just documenting your life, but it's it's kind of how I see a lot of Instagram is, right? You just document what's going on in your life and you can use it to market or just tell stories and things like this. Whereas with TikTok now, it's becoming a real entertainment platform like a performance uh, like, outlet almost. yeah it's everything is you know thought about you know they're 15 second videos that are really properly thought about right and produced a bit not to like crazy like a-list movie budget you know things but thought went into them right scripts were written and we're getting that whole shift is very interesting and it's like youtube 2.0 in a way um so I don't know. Yeah. I'm just kind of along for the ride and checking it out. <laughs> it's it's super interesting, man. I love talking about this stuff because especially now, like technology seems like it's changing so fast and yeah. everything is just so impossible to predict. I mean, I have a friend who, uh, she was, I mean, she's an like, excellent dancer. We were all working together in an old studio and now she's, you know, she's got a YouTube channel with makeup and she, she also started a TikTok channel and she's pretty successful with that. I mean, she's a beautiful girl and, um, you know, she's doing all these dance moves and stuff and she's always trying to get me to start a TikTok. I'm like, that's not my flavor. I I like long form. Uh, but you know, it's interesting to me when I look at TikTok, even though I, I don't have any interest at all to start anything with it, I find it very interesting as a social phenomenon because, you know, you look at this new generation of because the entertainment industry in general is is a, it's a market, right? So it's shaped around the votes and and the desires of the people who want to be entertained, you know. And so yeah. the question is, as as this shift and destabilization happens from away from Hollywood, where they don't have the monopoly over shows and sitcoms, you see now Netflix has it, Amazon has their own shows, Hulu yeah, has their own house, shows. Yeah. Uh, 
TikTok has, you know, you, you can watch people on TikTok. I mean, it's become much more fragmented. So, and on top of that, so that's one context. The other context is the attention span of people is getting shorter and shorter, you know, as yeah. far as visual stuff, it seems like, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, at least with this new generation, it's like everything is so immediate and they grew up on that stuff, you know? And so my question is, you know, how, how does that whole thing influence this generation of kids? Like, let's say, you know, your daughter, she's what, four years old or something. Right. And so right. when she grows up, let's say she wants to follow a you know, dad's footsteps and, you know, she wants to get in the entertainment industry and, you know, be an entertainer. What does that journey look like for her? You know, in the sense of like, you know, is it just going to be like a stay at home type of thing? And you're just basically making videos and making a million dollars, you know, a year. Like, I don't know. It's just so different than this whole yeah, audition I mean, and go and be on stage. I mean, I don't know. It's just such yeah, an interesting it, it is. It is ironic. I don't. I don't know what it's going to be. Obviously, because it's the future. Um, yeah. I. I see. The big studios, the Hollywoods. I see them leveraging the social platforms in a way to get more reach for them, more organic reach to reduce their costs and um, become mm. make their projects better. Uh, so even if you have like the Netflix or Amazon prime who, or Apple now, right. Producing all their own content for basically just so they can retain you on uh, a subscription fee. Right. Um, I think it will be about, I think a lot of the YouTube stars and the TikTok stars will end up being cast in some of these productions because with them mm. comes a giant following immediately. You can almost guarantee the success of a project based on who you could cast, assuming you can, you know, and there's a lot of good talent out there, right? You can, you could cast, you could know that someone is good, right? At what they do, or they're good on camera, or you can see through their posting that they've done loads of stage acting. You can follow them everywhere, right? So you have already have a glimpse of what they're capable of, and now you can leverage their audience uh, on a way that, you know, that combined with the usual marketing budgets that these uh big studios have i think that's really the combo it's kind of like the the dwayne uh dwayne johnson story or the phenomena right uh i was reading an article in forbes oh, it's a little bit it's a handful of years ago at this point but it was so good because dwayne johnson is unlikely to win an academy academy award right he also doesn't choose projects that are really academy award style movies right but that's not yeah that's not his niche that's not what he does really not to say he won't but his movies are always entertaining they're always funny or action-packed or something right and movie yeah. the article is about how movie producers love him because he has such a devout social media community that his estimated value add is 20 million dollars in marketing just by casting wow. him. So whatever you are already going to be spending on your your big budget film, he's going to add an extra $20 million worth of marketing that you would have had to pay for on top of whatever. Because he goes out himself, he posts everything all over social media, but he also works harder than pretty much everyone else. And he puts himself out there to different, uh, he gets himself on every single show. He does more interviews than anybody else. So he makes sure that he plugs his projects and he's so passionate about it that his value add is huge. And I think 
we're going to see more of that, but more like on this super niche micro level, if you can really call it micro, but yeah, uh, there's very influencer uh, based market. And I think there's going to be kind of a, it'll be cool to see if there's a hybrid or of these two worlds kind of coming together. But who's, who's to say? <laughs> that, that is really cool. Yeah, no, that's really super interesting. I mean, it's, it's cool because it sort of brings back that, uh, that feeling of, okay, it's, it's possible for me to make it, you know, it's, I don't have to deal with, with the BS that comes along with, uh, you know, all these hoops I have to jump through, but at the same for time sure. too, here's kind of a follow-up question to that is, I mean, to some extent you, you are, you know, you went, you know, we, we went from sort of, let's say audition waiting in, in line in the, in the terrible New York weather and auditioning to now it's like, let's say, you know, what would the question would be, how do you grow that presence uh, how do you balance that and stay true to yourself? Because for example, again, I use my friend as an example who, who has her TikTok account and we're talking about like, she, she's extremely talented dancer, like ballroom, international competitive, like super athletic, like very well-trained person. Mm. And we were joking that she, you know, she gets most of her views on the stupidest shit that she does, you know, like just some like, 10 second clip of her like smiling and then, you know, putting some song, I mean, just something that requires literally no training. And, you know, I'm like, here you go. There's 30 years of training out of your life. And uh, now you're making, you know, more money doing, you know, just basic stuff. So to some extent, you know, you, she's playing for the algorithm so that she could get enough subscribers at some point so that she could monetize the, the system. Right. And so the same thing goes with all these other platforms too. It's like, how do you, there's so much noise, you know, especially as, as an entertainer, you want to stand out and you want to, and, and this, I guess, goes for a business too, but especially for entertainers, you, you want to stand out, you want to be unique in some way, create a voice. How do you build a following um, with so much noise around, you know, if that's, if that's the ultimate Yeah, thing, that, you, is, that is the challenge. Know. And there's not really any way to game the systems anymore you know there there was a time right when yeah exactly because right they there were things you could do even with you know way back when when you could when seo was actually a thing and you could yeah. you could you could tweak the systems right and you could you know boost your followings and things like that and you get a lot more organic exposure but it's also because these platforms were trying to grow and what i think a lot of people don't understand or realize is that facebook for instance because they own a lot of them they control the organic reach that everyone's product or everyone's profile has, right? They they can dial that up or, you know, pull it back whenever they feel like it. And that's what they did. Like when they need to get a lot of, when they need to get Instagram really surging and getting a lot of users on it, you turn it up, you give people outrageous amounts of organic reach, which gets them, you know, yeah. gets the dopamine hits all over the place. Everyone loves the sure, platform because yeah. they're gaining all these likes and uh, followers and things like that. But now it's a established platform and it has been for a while now. And they just dial it back. And now if you want real true exposure, especially if you're going to be a business page, you better be feeding the beast some cash because that's how you're going to get yeah. exposure. And it's it really has become a pay to play uh, platform and a lot of these, unfortunately, uh, to get to break through that noise, especially if you are a business or if you've um, like, for instance, my podcast, it's it's uh, I have a business Facebook page, right? So I now have greater insights, right, to everything. And even my personal one is same way, right? So the catch, of course, is because it's now labeled as a person as a business page versus a personal, it's harder for me to get organic reach, 
just because of the way the system is written and worked. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of, uh, we're seeing a lot of people on TikTok that are just blowing up. It's crazy, right? I'll, you go look at someone who's yeah. got say, cause people will cross, uh, promote, they'll do the exact same content, right? On both platforms, right? That's a very common thing that everyone yeah. does. So you have someone that's really successful on, uh, Instagram and TikTok. their Instagram following might be 40,000, 50,000 people, but then you look at their, their TikTok and they're at like 1.5 million. You know, it's, Jeez. I think there's also, there's an element of that as well that's happening with TikTok, even though it's, cause it's still, while it's this crazy phenomenon, my guess would be that they're also giving more organic reach to people than they will in the future. Uh, simply because they mm. want their platform to explode. They want they want power users on there every single day, knowing that they're just growing and growing. And there's going to be a handful of people that, of course, really, really benefit from being the early adopters, for sure, and have already benefited. Um, but how do you break through the noise? It's hard. Consistency, good content. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's something that I'm also working on and trying, you know, always trying and tweaking different things with, say with my podcast is how do I do this? Because I've got, I know that I've got incredible content. You know what I mean? Uh, I try to I make little sound bites and things that make it quick and easy to, to digest on a platform like that. And uh, it's just seeing how the, the market is adapting and changing and the whole Instagram reels, which is kind of a ripoff of TikTok now. And uh, that whole, because of reels and TikTok, that's something that's like my next, my next test and going down that that path but it's tricky it's just trying unfortunately you kind of have to keep up with whatever the platforms are doing because that's where all the people are um and yeah i think it just has it comes down to consistency and trying to figure out who your market is and try to speak to them it's it's true you know especially with these platforms i feel like a lot of the content or the the rules are just always changing and so it's like Hmm. you invest all this time learning a system and then it changes. And then yeah. now you've basically just wasted your time because now you have to relearn it. For sure. And I think and that's so why it's, it's so uh, important as well to have your own things. I think that's why it's so important to have yeah. a website. Even people go, oh, I haven't checked my website or no one goes to websites. It's like, yeah, people do. People still search Google. And at the end of the day, it's still something yeah. that you control. No one can take that away from you. No one can close your account. No one can mess with that. You yeah. can... Con- you get to control the story. You get to control any kind of adverts or any other kind of marketing that you want on there. It's all you, which is very cool. And you're not a slave to the system. I've I've had a couple yeah. of friends that have had their Instagram accounts just gone overnight because someone wow. reported some things on them just and falsely. You know what I mean? They're wonderful human beings, but someone are, just kept making false claims. And but they were they enough have for a the lot system of subscribers. To yeah, loads. And like, that's how they made their money, like was through these platforms because they had the following, they had a good community and then people would reach out to them and they would get booked on different events and gigs and speaking things. And overnight it's gone and they can't get it back because Instagram's deleted it. Right. And then you have to start from scratch, which is crazy. That's why I think it's so important to have platforms that you, you control, have a website. This is why I like podcasting as well. While you leverage other distribution Mm -hmm. platforms, it's all an RSS feed, right? I own all my content. Yeah, It's all on a server somewhere, right? So I think 
investing in those kinds of things where you have total control is is vital in addition to uh in addition to the social media things and i i find sometimes with social media you, you it's kind of like keeping up with the Joneses, you know, you is always some new yeah. trick, some new thing to do. And you could, you could make Instagram a full-time job. And it is a full-time job for, if you're a larger yeah. business, you hire people to just do that for you all day, every day. So it is a full-time job uh, and it can get exhausting. Right. So I think you also have to look at your life and see what you're trying to accomplish and figure out if, you're actually getting any ROI out of the time that you're spending on certain things. So true, man. I mean, it's, uh, I, I can totally relate to the podcasting thing. I've wasted a lot of money trying to just do things on different platforms and stuff. And in the end, it's like, you know, it, I mean, everybody's different. Obviously if you have a visual form, then having a certain platform like Instagram might be better than a podcast. But for me personally, podcasting has been, uh, just a lot of fun just because I have control over everything. You know, I, I have long form content. You have people that are consistent listeners and it's, and it's genuine. The only thing I don't like about podcasting and I talked to the uh, God, Ryan, I believe was his name uh, in a couple of interviews ago, but he was a big podcaster and one of the top on iTunes right now, but he was, we were talking about how right now there's no, like there's no engagement platform for podcasting. Like, yes, you can distribute it everywhere and you have, you know, basically one button, you publish it to like 20 different locations, which is super yep. cool. But the problem is that, you know, it's like, there's no platform for podcasting. I mean, every platform's trying to like sneak it in like Apple and, you know, all these people. But if I publish something, you know, like let's say I'm Facebook, you know, or whatever, Instagram, I publish a video or I publish a comment then you have all this engagement. People start talking about it. You argue, whatever, like you, you do whatever you talk with podcasting, you, you share it. And then, you know, there you go. Whatever is going to happen. Like if somebody, there's no, Hey, somebody commented on your podcast on Spotify and they said, this is great. Thank you so much. You know, and then you can enter some little platform and talk to them right away. You know, there's no way to do that. Yeah. So yeah. Of course. Yeah, you just have like reviews, about, right? You know, yeah. It's like very yeah, macro right. review, exactly right? Fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would be very cool if you could have actual discussion on individual episodes, right? Or if people could, yeah. you know, you've got your description or your show notes, however, whichever thing you want to call it, right? If there is in that section, that'd be very cool if you could, if it was basically just a, a comment stream right? That you find on say Facebook. Yeah. I mean, you can so do it through can... your blog technically, I guess, you know, you post a, you post a show notes and you have a comments enabled or something, but I don't know. Yeah. Just, but I think, I mean, that I think it's not the same. <laughs> that would also be, that's also for like your super user, your super listener, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Because exactly. at the end of the day, it's also a timing thing. It's the attention span thing. It's you need, everything needs to be yeah. so instantaneous, right? And yeah, it's hard. You know, if it takes people too many pages to get to something, they're like, ah, screw it. I'm done. <laughs> and they're out. Guilty right? as charged. <laughs> yeah, we all are. That's the thing, right? So we all are. Yeah, it needs it needs to be it needs to be quick. That's also what it even makes. Uh, I think even if you're going to do the paid ad route, it makes things a bit tricky and difficult. And um, I for a while there, I was running some I was trying some tests and running some ads to like get traffic to uh my podcast it ended up being just basically a waste of money. Um, but 
you know, I, not a waste of money. It was a lesson learned, right? Was it like an episode or the la- like the landing page where they sign up for? Alerts? I did different like, things. I did. I tried it? different things. I tried. Um, I tried simply doing. Um, uh, I created a, a post, right, of like kind of this audiogram thing that I do. I did that, and mm-hmm. that redirected, and that and I was optimizing for uh, clicks and things like this or engagement and. Um, that the redirect went to Apple uh, Podcasts because the vast, like something like 85% of my traffic comes from Apple Podcasts. So I was like, well, I'll just, you know, then you can, of course, on the ads manager, you can say only iOS devices, right? So drove traffic that way and then said, okay, well, the catch is I'm sending you to my show on Apple Podcasts, but because nothing's really integrated, there's not really any way for me to track that, right? But that is also the shortest yeah. line. That's also the shortest line of, of user interaction, right? You click the thing, you go straight to my, it opens up Apple Podcasts on your phone. That's as quick as it gets, right? But the downside is there's no way to really track that, right? You can see the clicks and you can yeah. kind of see the lift, but even I find that podcast analytics aren't even necessarily as, yeah. they're not like minute to minute accurate, right? Like they are if you're advertising on Facebook. So that's, it's hard to see the results. I tried going to, a landing page that then allowed them to choose uh, different uh, different podcast podcast platforms that maybe they use Spotify or Google uh, podcasts and yeah it just I guess I haven't cracked that one on how to do paid adverts for podcast growth I don't know <laughs> but it's yeah it's tricky. I don't know either as a lot of people try different things I mean it's a lot of the guys who are really big right now with podcasts, I mean, podcasting is still growing, which is good. I mean, it's, it's a, it's barely, it's an infancy, which is exciting, but I feel like, like you said earlier, there was sort of like this time where there was organic growth, YouTube, even LinkedIn and all these different platforms. And so Mm. the people who got in on that with, with a podcast, you know, whatever, six, seven years ago when it was like, literally nobody was doing it. Uh, you know, it was a lot easier. Certainly now you have to be very creative and offer, I think, a lot of different types of content, uh, you know, that maybe snag people in somehow and then sort of incorporate the podcast into that so they can grow. It's a very, it's interesting to me because podcasting is a very indirect type of medium. And what I mean is like, it's indirect in the sense that even monetizing it, I mean, it's very unlikely you're going to monetize a podcast right away, but you will get money from it by booking, maybe getting more gigs, maybe people hiring you because they heard about you. Maybe they're buying your book, your course, whatever, you know, so it's an indirect thing. And so to me, those things are always very interesting when they're indirect because it really makes you think creatively about, okay, you know, like uh, how can I make this happen? You know, it's an indirect situation. It's not very obvious. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you can make money from it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, of course, I mean, if you've got the listenership, then you can do, uh, you can do paid ads. I mean, you or sponsorships, I should say. Yeah. Um, pretty much every podcast, uh, host now offers some kind of an advert, uh, arrangement, right? Where it basically inserts like a, like a YouTube um, kind of style advertisement into your into your show, right? You, at a selected time that you choose. Yeah. Uh, could I do that on my podcast? Sure. I don't want to because I don't. I want. I personally want my sponsorships to be from things and companies that I know and I personally recommend. Yeah. Um, but then you also need the listenership to to have those relationships with people, you know, because people want also want ROI yeah. on their on their ad spends. Um, but you're right; it is very indirect, and I think statistically, your most 
podcasts aren't going to monetize to the point where that's uh, just sponsorships alone. It's about creating other things out of it. It's having this great arsenal of content, which also creates, you know, some kind of an expertise, if you will, on whatever that subject may be that you're speaking on. And that opens up all sorts of doors, if you want them, to do paid speaking events or to do coaching programs and things like this or whatever other products you could possibly think of. So I think it's, you're right, you have to be a bit unique about that. And it's, it's like you have, it's, it's like you've created your own little mini micro Facebook, right? You've got your own little community and then yeah. you need to figure out how, how can you offer your audience something that's really properly, truly valuable to them. Um, so it's not just smarmy advertising, but something that's really helpful. And in some sense, I mean, do you think that as an entertainer, somebody who wants to be doing this full time, you know, eventually, like you said, there may be a transition where you're busting tables, but if you want to do this full time, do you think it's better given everything that we've discussed so far to create some sort of diversification as an entertainer with your personal brand and have, I don't know. I mean, however you offer your, your content and services, maybe you create like a little gift that you can give people so you can build an email list. I mean, Mm. is there, or should you just go all in on one platform and hope to God you please the algorithm, you know, and, and make it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think doing your own thing and creating your own content is super important. Uh, not just for, I think, so I think it's really good to do it all right. To, to be performing and doing your stage stuff or film stuff or whatever, whatever your thing is, right? Uh, Do that. But this industry also comes with a lot of rejection. It comes with a lot of, it's it's hard mentally and things like this. And uh, you will go through times when everything's hidden and then you'll go through times when they're not. And that's just the way it is. And I think having your own creative outlet helps you balance things out and to say, look, I have control yeah. of my creativity. I have control of my artistry. And I think it's an important part of not just creating long-term, you know, financial success, if you will, or artistic success in this industry. It's also about being balanced as a human being. So you can go into those audition rooms and be 100% present and give a great audition. So you can be excited about doing a podcast or doing you know, online dance classes or whatever that might be, right? It's, I think you need to do it all because I think it rounds out everything and it makes you more even and you're not just, all your eggs aren't in one basket being like, oh, I really hope I get this audition because if I don't, then I can't pay rent. You know, it's having a lot of other things is that kind of stress isn't good. That stuff, that's what, that's what boils over into auditions. Is that what, that's what will get you cut, right? Because people can sense that. Um, You need to be present. You need to be, uh, in a good mental space. Uh, and I think creating your own content and proving to yourself, look, I can create something, I can control what I'm putting out into the world and I'm excited about it. I think that uh, is a big part of what creates long-term success as well. You mentioned something that I want to touch on that we haven't touched on, but I think actually it's very important. <clears throat> and a lot of entertainers miss this. A lot of entrepreneurs miss this. And I think that's the importance of health and the importance of having an aligned body to, to do what you need to do. And especially when we're talking about creative energy, 
you you need to have everything in alignment as much as possible physically uh because you know if you if you have whatever all kinds of health issues they take you out of being present like you just hmm. said you have to be as maximally focused and present uh to to create art you know and so if i see the importance of being very disciplined with your health with with you know the things that you put in your body your your physical routine i think that's so important for maintaining creative longevity but you you don't see that too often i mean even, i don't know in my industry and i was like i was joking with my friends i'm like you know this is the only sport where we consider ourselves professional athletes, but everybody's fucking, you know, rhinestones and smoking all day. You know, like, literally, <laughs> you know, like any other yeah. athlete would be like, you know, it's super pampering yeah. their body and super serious. And now we're here. It's like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to do a little Red Bull and some cigarettes before the round and I'm ready to go. You know, good. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. There definitely is an element yeah. to that. Yeah. And the thing is, on the health thing, yes, I think having, again, like you said in the beginning, systems, having those in place and being consistent. And that's what you, because really what it is, it's health is really just little basic things, really being consistent every single day with them. It's it's the accumulation of all of that, right? That creates a healthy body yeah. and a healthy life. So you have to be consistent. You have to have those systems in place and systems make it easy. And of course, we're all human and we're not, you know, some monk that can be perfect every time, but as long as you have that plan in place and you nail it the vast majority of the time, then you're doing something right, right? Life happens and you're not always, you can't beat yourself up because you didn't do every single, you know, line on your to-do list every single day. It just won't, it's not going to happen, right? So do what you can, t have your plan, have your system, do what you do. Um, and I think when we talk about health, a lot of people default to thinking, oh, I got to go to the gym. I got to eat right. And that's true. You have to do those things, right? That's part of it. But really in the last handful of years, I would say, has the mental health and mindset has been something that has really become something that we really talk about on like a lot of people, like the whole world is talking about it and addressing it. Of course, there's, you know, there's self-help books and things like Dale Carnegie's been, you know, talking about this for freaking ever, right? So, um, but it was also a bit more niche, right? Now, the whole world is very tuned into and aware of stress and anxiety and mental health. And it's a really good thing that we're having these conversations yeah. because that is such a important part of not just performing, but everyone's life. And we are so uh, overwhelmed all the time and overstimulated with so many things that um, trying to distill your life and, uh, be focused is, is a hard thing to do and creating your own systems that work for you to put, you know, to correct your, your mindset is, is super important because there, there is no cookie cutter solution, right? Everyone's different. Everyone has different needs and different things work for different people. So it's really important to find the things that work for you. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's getting a manicure. I don't know, but there's gotta be a handful of things that you need to, you need to develop your own program because your your mental health and your mindset is is freaking everything and they're all connected like if your mindset is good then you feel then you'll feel like going to the gym and vice versa if you if you are physically feeling great then your mind's good you know it's they both feed off each other so it's it's a whole body experience i think is is what you have to view everything is are there any habits that you have right now that you would have told your younger self <laughs> that to have yeah, those happen million like percent yeah yeah um the things that work for me the best are uh a morning routine 
Um, got a handful of things. It's nothing fancy, right? But And I get yeah. most of them every day, but it's short and easy. Uh, I do that. And that just shows consistency to myself. Nothing fancy. Um, and it gets me you know, on the right foot on the day. And then meditation is huge for me. I love meditation. That really helps me just reset and be present and do that. Um, and then physical activity, uh, gym and things like that, huge. So yeah, those three things are like the three that really help me and reading. I also, well, I actually listen to most of my books at this point, uh, because of my daughter, it's hard to yeah. find time to actually sit down and, uh, read a book, but, uh, Audible's my friend. So I, I listen to a lot of different books and on different things. Some in honestly, sometimes it's, it's just a, a fantasy book. I just finished uh, the first book of The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan the other day, and I hadn't listened to a, a fiction book for ages. But for whatever reason, I felt like listening to it, and it really did it for me. You know what I mean? It, it kind of just yeah. let me relax a little bit, and that was good. And, and I found it more fulfilling than watching something on Netflix, right? So that was engaging to me, and it really helped me. It didn't have to be, you know, some personal development book, which I also love, right? It just my needs and what I feel like I, I want or need changes. And I just listen to my body and, and give it to it when it needs it. And yeah, just trying to yeah. stay in tune. What's next for you? Are you looking forward to any new projects or, uh, I mean, especially all the COVID stuff, it's been kind of weird for entertainment, but what's, yeah, what's it has on been... the calendar for you as far as <laughs> your business. Yeah. Or anything else? So exactly right. So, uh, COVID is definitely, just thrown a spanner in freaking everything, right? And as far as the yeah. live performance industry, um, the podcast is, you know, really where a lot of my focus is at the moment. Um, now expanding into, uh, expanding more, I should say, into uh, the speaking and the coaching side of things um, because I'm getting great feedback from and, you know, requests more and more from my audience and things like this. So it's, you're like, all right, well, let's create this and uh, really delve into that. And, uh, instead of it, it, it really make it more of a thing, right? Versus uh, being uh, more proactive would be the right word about about pursuing it. And uh, that's that's on the horizon. That's I mean, I guess it's happening right, right now. So the horizon's here, but it's that's what's really driving forward at the moment. Nice. Final question for you, buddy. What are you most grateful for right now? Oh, we hit on it a bit. Is health. You know, like you said, if look, if you there's a what is a some kind of proverb proverb, right? That um, you know, if you if you have if you have your health, you have all the opportunities in the world, but uh, or all the possibilities. Yeah. But if you if you don't, then the you only have one thing, and that's to to get healthy again, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, my health, because without that, I can't I can't do all the these fantastic projects that I want to do. Can't be can't be you know a good husband. So. Yeah, it starts there. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend, Dane. I hope it's inspired you to find some confidence in your own path to being successful, doing what you love. You know, it's it's not easy to to do what you love. There's that stereotype of the starving artist for a reason, right? But today more than ever, at the same time, today more than ever, we have an opportunity to share who we are, to share our light, our gifts, our talents, 
with the world and be rewarded for it, to be compensated very well for it. It just takes planning, consistency, you know, having good systems, having principles of good entrepreneurship, all the things that we talked about today, and and you can be successful. So make sure you check it out, youbookeditpodcast.com. You can go to youbookedipodcast.com slash coaching if you want to get some coaching and follow up with Dane and, and kind of pick his brain, get some get some advice, get some one-on-one stuff, especially in the entertainment industry. It's so important to get valuable coaching from people that can really uh, cut through the mistakes that you're likely to make and at least reduce that amount considerably by giving you some good advice. So make sure you check that out. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. Let's not forget good old Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. There's one more week left in the year, and my question to you is, what are you going to do with it? You know, what is what is left in your life right now that you need to tie up, or you need to take action on, or you need to be courageous? Maybe it's calling Dane up and getting some coaching if you are looking to start something new in your life with the entertainment industry, but you didn't know where to start. Maybe it's something else. Maybe this episode inspired something in your business or in your personal life, in your career. But whatever it is, don't let it go into the new year. This year has been absolutely crazy for everybody, and that's okay because it's almost over. So do it now. It's going to be done forever. Let the past be the past and move forward into the new year with optimism, with strength, with a new slate, with a new canvas, and all the possibility that you deserve. Tune in on Tuesday. We're going to help you do that. I'm going to give you a couple things of how to make peace with 2020. That'll be my final Tuesday transformation for the year. And Friday is the new year. So you don't want to miss that because we're coming out with some special announcements. Like a three-year anniversary with this podcast. Got some big things in the works very excited to share with you guys. So make sure you tune in. It's just going to be a solo episode. It's not going to be an interview. It's going to just be me. So if you want to hear me talk and then uh, make sure you come because it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of really good stuff. I'm super excited. The new year is so full of opportunity. I know this year has been crazy for everybody. Everybody I've talked to has just been absolutely insane, but it's not going to be like that forever. And with with everything that goes up, it has to come down. With everything goes down, it has to come up. And for as crazy as this year was, it has really set up the future to be even better and more amazing than you can ever imagine. So we'll see you on Friday, on Tuesday as well, if you want to tune into some little tips on how to make peace with this crazy year. And hope you're safe. Hope you're having fun. Hope you're doing good. I'll see you soon. Life is a dance, so go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.